worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, Hero of Heaven, you conquered the grave. some baptisms this morning so if you could turn your attention over here
All right. Good morning, church. Um, this is Lakin, and I have had such the honor of knowing her and leading her. She is personally a part of my small group as a part and a part of the middle school ministry here at Shelby Christian. And it has been an honor to see her grow this past year and just really declare her faith um, and lead others in our small group as well. And she has publicly decided that she would like to get baptized today. So that is what we are here to celebrate. So Lakin, repeat after me. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is my personal savior. Is my personal savior. And I declare. And I declare. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. This is also my personal <laughs> first baptism as well. So we're gonna try that again. All right. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is my. I'm sorry. My Lord and Savior. My Lord and Savior. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. As the Son of the Living God. As the Son of the Living God. And I now baptize you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For the forgiveness of your sins, and the gift of eternal life. Hey guys, this is uh, Kristen Smith, and this is a really cool story. Uh, Kristen... uh, we talked a little bit last week about just her journey, and she expressed it. When she was a, a smaller child, uh, she made a decision. But then as an adult, she's come to the realization that um, she understands more now about what it means to follow Jesus with her life. And so that's why we're here this morning. Yeah, she, uh, her husband, Alex, grew up here, and we had the honor of walking with him through middle school and high school. And so these kind of things seem to sometimes pull, uh, come full circle. And so this is a really cool experience. So, Chris, I want to ask you to repeat after me what I know you believe in your heart. Yes. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Christian, because of that confession of faith, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. This is Nicholas Mersman, and he's standing with me because he's actually had a big effect on what's about to happen as a child uh, has led. I got to baptize Nick just a couple weeks ago, and then this last week we had some conversation and some things that Nicholas has said with his mom and dad has made Annie say, I'm ready to do this today as well. And so that is, that is so cool. So, Annie, I'm just going to ask you to repeat that good confession uh, after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son of the, living God, the Son of the living God, and I accept him, and I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. And because of that confession, uh, Nick's going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of all your sin. The gift of eternal life. Is that awesome? Is that awesome?
Man, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about right there. So welcome to Shelby Christian Church. My name is Dennis Dove. I'm the executive minister here, and it's glad to have you guys here and also worshiping with us online. Uh, just a reminder, as we, we come into communion, there's stations set up around and the offering boxes. It's double cupped, so the bread's on the bottom and the, uh, the juice is on the top uh, after I pray. Uh, also, first service today, we, we had a special time. Um, where we brought Brett and Shara and, and little Kobe, uh, to honor them. They've been here for five years, right? So we had the five year anniversary for Brett and Shara. The, the church gave them a, a little token. I tried all week to like take them out to eat. I'm like, Hey man, I need to get with you. You know, can I take you and your wife out to eat and stuff? And nothing was working out. And I'm like, I really need to get with you. I think he thought he was in trouble or something. Cause like, Friday, you know, Thursday morning, he brought me in donuts, right? And, you know, the staff knows I can be bought off easily with a jelly donut, right? So, but we got to spend some time. We'll figure that out. And then also another anniversary we had this year. Uh, not going to bring him up on stage, but uh, he's up here all the time. Uh, Dave Hamlin and Kim have been here for 35 years this month. So in my completely unofficial research, like no one's been there 35 years, right? You know, so um, just... Just know there's a legacy here uh, through these guys, and I'm just excited uh, about our staff and how long the longevity of our staff here that uh, I think it goes to show a lot of how much they care about you guys. And as I was uh, preparing for this and reading through the Bible, I was reading uh, the Gospel of John and talked about John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming towards him, was like, Behold, the Lamb of God, who has come to forgive us of our sins, and later testified that Jesus was the, the Son of God there, right? And he was baptizing people so that Jesus could be revealed, right? And I'm thinking, man, that's what these guys have been doing for years, right? They heard the call, and they love you guys so much that they gave up part of their potential career goals or, you know, money, things like that, so they can tell you. Behold, Jesus is the Lamb of God, Son of God, all right? And as much as they love you enough to, to do that, to tell you guys that, I can tell you that Jesus loves you infinitely more. That he came down to die on the cross for us, for you and for me, even though we didn't deserve it, because he loved us. So as you come and as you take the bread and you take the cup, think about not just the staff here and how much we love you, but think more importantly about God and Jesus and his love for you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the baptisms and the changed lives that are happening here. I thank you for our staff, for Brett, for Dave, for their families, and what they mean to, to me personally and to this church, but most importantly to your kingdom. More than that, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for his willingness to come down and die on the cross for us. And just help us to, to glorify you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Jesus, you're the cornerstone. Let us build upon that cornerstone. You're the rock on which we stand. Firm foundation. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Sing it holy.
Father God, help us, help us, help us to trust you in all things. Help us to build on a solid, firm, uncompromising foundation of your word that never changes, even when seasons change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 1974, the University of Tennessee hired a young woman named Pat Head to be their women's basketball coach. When she finally retired from coaching college basketball, she was the winningest coach in college basketball, men's or women's. She's, after her death, has since been surpassed. But when she retired, she was the top dog. She was the GOAT. She started in 1974. In 1976, however, Cliff Hagen, who was the athletic director at that time at the University of Kentucky, made a very bold move and offered their women's basketball head coaching job to Pat Head before she became Pat Head. up Pat Head. And she accepted it. And they were in the final part of negotiating her move from Knoxville to Lexington. She was enamored by Adolph Rupp and his streak and his record. And she just thought it would be great to come and to build those two programs together. And so they were in the final parts of negotiation. And she called Cliff Hagen and said, Hey, I realize I need a hundred more dollars to get a moving truck to move my stuff from Knoxville to Lexington. And he declined. Are you kidding me? A hundred dollars? A hundred dollars? And Pat Head Summit could have been the women's coach at the University of Kentucky? Are you kidding me? Talk about a missed opportunity. There is an old proverb that's called for one of a nail that has many different versions to the proverb. Benjamin Franklin actually used it this way in his book, The Way to Wealth. It says, for one of a nail, the shoe was lost. For one of a shoe, the horse was lost. For one of a horse, the rider was lost, being overtaken and slain by the enemy, all for the want of care about a horseshoe nail. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 said, Make the most of every opportunity because the times we live in are evil. You never know when you're going to get this chance again. Make the most of every opportunity. Last week on Easter, we talked a little bit about Moses and Moses leading the people out of the Egyptian bondage and getting them through the Red Sea. And, and we talked about the plagues and the, the Passover lamb and, and all that goes along with that. And, and, and so in Numbers 13, there is this portion of the story. They've gotten across the Red Sea. They're wandering around. They're getting right to the edge of the promised land, right on the edge of it. And God says, here's what I want you to do. Last thing I want you to do. I want you to pick one man from each of the 12 tribes. And I want you to send them across the river 
to figure out the game plan, the strategy for moving in and, and taking the promised land, starting with Jericho and on. So Moses did that. He selects 12 guys. They go across the river. And a few days later, they come back and they're having this big uh, town hall meeting, if you would, in front of all the people. And as soon as it starts, 10 of the spies start talking about how big the cities are, how tall the walls are, how wide the walls are, even how big the people are. Like there's big dudes over there. They're bigger than we are. And they basically said this to them. They said this for everybody that can hear. There is no way that we can win if we go across the Jordan River to the other side. But but there were two guys, two of the 12, a couple guys named Joshua and Caleb that said... What are you guys talking about? Yeah, there's big cities, there's big walls, there's big men, all that, but we got a big God. We got this. And in fact, the cool thing about it is Joshua, and we'll talk about it at the end of the sermon, Joshua becomes the eventual leader, but Caleb, the much less known of the two, Caleb was the one who actually said this in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the ten spies won the vote. They instilled enough fear in the people that they chose not to go. They missed an opportunity. It led to spending 40 more years wandering through the wilderness, two generations of people dying. Most of the people that were there that day when they were getting the report said, we can't do it. Most of them died before they, they never got to go into the promised land. Just across the river, a missed opportunity to enter the land of milk and honey for lack of a nail for a hundred dollars missed opportunities when they ask people that are close to the end of their life and they they know they are and and, and they've just got enough years under the belt that they know they're getting close to the end they and people have asked and done surveys what, what, what do you regret most about your life one of the top regrets of people toward the end of their life is i wish I had taken more chances. I wish I had risked more. I wish I had stepped out on the limb in faith a little more often. So I want to ask you, what if we all took leaps of faith? What if we all trusted God to take us to our own promised land? What if we truly lived like we say we believe? we can live what might that look like what might that look like we have an overriding vision as a church kind of a bumper sticker statement that is transcendent through all generations and we operate under this and what a vision is a vision is always worded like in in noun form in 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 like a completed project the end product what what's our end product what do we want to be at the end of this and we have said that our our vision is that we would be a community of God-changed lives. A, a community of lives that have been changed by the overwhelming power of God. That's why we say every week, that's why we say every week, love God, and we say that first, because our love of God will allow us to then, second, love people. And when those things come together, God will change lives. And as they, as they are loved by people who've experienced that kind of love and individual lives are changed, then in turn, God is changing at least our portion 
of the world, the portion of the world that we've kind of been uh, assigned to, if you would. This diagram that's going to be on the screen behind me kind of shows that, that responding to God's love changes us so that we can show God's love to other people so that they will come and see and in turn accept and respond to God's love and be changed themselves. That's discipleship. It's a never-ending cycle. And we need to be a part of that. God's love through the Spirit is the change agent. And we're just the ingredients. So our, our, our series, mini-series, if you would, for the next five weeks, and then we'll actually come back to it a couple, time, a couple more times over the summer, is we talk a lot about change the world. But what are we doing about it? What are we going to do in some specific areas? So today I just want to talk about how, how we feel like God is leading us to, to change the world through a kind of change vision of the underlying vision over the, under the, the big vision. And then next week, next week we're going to have uh, uh, Matt and Tiffany up here. We're going to talk about changing the world through children. We're going to talk a lot about our children's ministry. And then on Mother's Day, on May the 8th, uh, Kim and I will be up here together, and we're going to talk about how women's ministry and having a strong women's ministry changes our portion of the world. And and then on May 15th, Jason is going to be up here, and he's going to be talking about how we can change the world through missions and some of the things that we've been doing for a while and some new things uh, that we feel like God's calling us to. And and then the 22nd of May, uh, Bradley will be up here preaching. It's our student Sunday. It's the end of the school year and Bradley's going to share about student ministry and how through God's using that to help us change our part of the world. So that's kind of our vision and that's where we're going for the next few weeks. But but we also have a mission that goes along with our vision. And while the vision is an end result, the mission is how are we going to get there? The way we're, the things we're going to do to get there, it's our purpose statement, it's our mission statement. And, And we believe this, this is our, this has been our purpose statement for years now. And we believe that Shelby Christian Church exists to reach people for Jesus and equip them to become fully devoted disciples impacting their world for Christ. There's three key words in there, reach, equip, and impact. They're all action words that we reach people, we bring them in. That's, that's, that's the top priority on the list. And because they've got people that don't know Jesus, need to hear about Jesus, so they can make a decision about accepting Jesus. The Bible even talks about it happens through the foolishness of preaching. And, and so that's what makes me feel like, okay, I can do this, because I can do the foolishness part. And so, so we can do this, but we want to reach them, bring them in. And then equip, we want to build them up, to teach them to teach them more, and and then impact the world by sending them out, bring them in and build them up and send them out and make a difference in the world because that's what Jesus told us to do. And what's known as the Great Commission, Jesus said, as you are going, while you are going about your everyday life, make disciples. Do that by baptizing them, as we've seen, not just those three, but one in first service this morning, one Thursday night, right? And so we have seen baptism all the time. So baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And when we do that and trust God to work through us, then things will happen. 
the world gets changed. So how are we going to do that in 2022? What's our current vision moving forward this year? The book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people will surely perish, die, cease to exist. There needs to be a vision. Where there is no vision, people won't pay $100 for moving expenses for the greatest coach of all time. Where there is no vision, they'll leave the nail out of the horseshoe and kind of mess everything up. Okay, where there is no vision, the people will surely perish. Then in the Old Testament, the book of First Chronicles, this is really cool. In First Chronicles chapter 12, in verse 32, it says this about one of the tribes. It says, the men of Issachar, is one of the tribes, the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. That's one of the coolest things about being an independent church. Uh, the autonomy of the independent church is we are led by a, a group of elders and, and our staff and we make decisions for ourselves based on two things based on only two things we don't get any directives from anybody anywhere else saying you got to do this you got to do we got two things the word of god and the culture we live in and we start with the word of god and what's it say and the second part is how do we apply that to shelby county kentucky and the regions around us where people are traveling from to worship with us And so it's like, we want to say, and the men of Shelbyville, the men of Shelby Christian, understood the times and knew what we needed to do. And so that's what drives us. Now, I don't know if you realize or not, we've been through a couple unique years the last couple years. Things have been a little bit different. And what I want to share with you this morning is actually like years in process. There was some of this stuff that we've been trying to launch for years. And just as we got ready to do some of it and talk about some of it, then like, the world went on pause, you know, and, and, and so then we come out of pause and last year we're like, hey, we're just trying to figure out, you know, is everybody okay? How are we going to do it? So it was like, it's not time to, to launch this big brand new vision last year. So we had a vision last year among the staff and leaders called Rebound. Rebound 2021. That was just our goal. And, and I really based it off of uh, an NBA player. An NBA Hall of Famer named Bill Russell. Bill Russell is arguably the greatest rebounder in NBA history. He wasn't that big. But when people ask Bill Russell how he got so many rebounds, he said it's simple. I focus on where the ball is going, not where it is. I figure out based on the trajectory of the shot where it's going to come off the rim. And I get there and don't worry about where it currently is. I get to the spot where they're, where the ball is going. And so we said, that's what we need to do. Coming out of a pandemic, we got to get to where the ball's going. We got to figure out what's going on. And so we had these, these five things that we just internally were working really hard on last year. One, uh, number one was reunite and grow the body. We had to get everybody back together. We had to get everybody back together. And the really cool thing is God's done that. God's done that. And last week for Easter, we had over 2,000 people Easter weekend. And God was glorified. People were baptized. And, 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 and that's, a, that's, a, that's like cheeks in the seats kind of people, all right? And then we had like 500 more people online uh, last week. And so God did that. We're back to about 95% of where we were pre-COVID numerically. Here's the only frustration we're at about 70% of the pre-COVID people. 
That means a lot of you guys are brand new. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Yeah, absolutely. But it also means we're still trying to figure out where some of the sheep are. All right. But that was one of our big things last year was to reunite and, and grow the body. The second R was to revive engaged worshipers and, and to really make worship something that was energetic and exciting. And, and, and I'm just going to say this and like we're family, right? Nobody's going to talk outside of you. You guys get it the best. I mean, this is where the energy is. All right. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it is the last two years have been incredible. The energy, uh, uh, the passion that comes when we worship together. Uh, and the third thing is we wanted to rally impactful servants both inside the walls and outside the walls. We need, we need, we need volunteers here. We need greeters. We need ushers. We need people in the parking lot. We need people in the nursery. We need people in children's ministry. We need people helping with getting the communion prepared and cleaned up. Uh, we, we just need, we need, we need, we have volunteers. We've got some folks that stick around after third service and pick up all the communion cups that people leave in the seats and all that kind of stuff. It takes volunteers to do it. So we need volunteers here on the hill. But, but we also need volunteers off the hill and outside of these walls. And God's opened amazing doors for us to go to, to different places, to different countries, and to do missions. And you'll hear more about that uh, the week Jason's up here talking in a couple weeks. Um, but God's also opened incredible doors for us right here in our community, but outside the walls. And being able to serve in places and what God's allowing us to do uh, in the school system. And so we need volunteers uh, to be mentors and to be reading buddies and all those things that we're allowed to do in the schools and that God's kind of allowing us as we rebound or as we rebounded, all right? And the fourth thing was that we, we want to, and we are still committed to this forever, to reflect the premier youth environment in our community. It's awesome. When Jason and I do First Step every month, we ask people, what brought you to church? And overwhelming, overwhelming number of people say, the one thing that got us here was youth stuff and the things we do for kids. And we are committed to that to the very end. And the fifth thing we focused on as part of our rebound uh, initiative last year was just to renew discipleship, get adults back into meaningful discipleship groups and growing groups. That was, that was rebound 2021, okay? So what I want to tell you the rest of the morning here, the next few minutes, is kind of our, our, our vision, our, our subvision under that community of changed lives. And our vision is to really focus this year on changing our part of the world. And to do, to, to take some risk, to take some chances, to do some things that we haven't done before, to, to do some things we used to do and quit doing, and now we're doing them again. Maybe we'll quit doing them again some other time. But just to say, we're going to do whatever it takes short of sinning to share the gospel with as many people as we possibly can. That's our goal, and that's, that's what we're after. So here's, kind of the framework for what for what we came what we thought as we're going through this process of what do we do next where where, where are we going god what do you want us to do and and the first was and this is stay with me and that is to provide optimal times for optimal energy and optimal movement of the holy spirit to reach as many people as possible In other words, we want to figure out how do we make the most of the 168 hours we're given in a week? How do we use that and utilize that to the best of it to reach as many people at times that they are most likely to come 
with the gospel, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing was, was very important. It was a very, very important part of this. And, and, and Dennis shared about our staff, and I love the time that I've been here. I love all our staff. I, I, I cherish our staff, and I want to protect our staff. And so one of the things that we talked about was how do we streamline ministry for the most effective staff health and ministry? We want to make sure, because because we've only got so many, and we can only afford to hire so many staff. And you, you know, you've heard the old saying of the horse that was ridden hard and put up wet. And a lot of times we got staff that are ridden hard and put up wet. They just work some insane amount of hours trying to do keep as many plates spinning as possible. And we say, well, let's, let's streamline that. Let's streamline that so we can do what we do and do it with excellence and do it well. The third thing was to make a, a more reproducible model. One of the dreams we've had for, gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years at least, is we've been just praying, God, if you would have us open up another location somewhere else, would you just show us where that is? And, and we're, we've been trying to make some decisions to position ourselves to be ready to do that. And one of the things, as we've talked to other churches who have done that, one of the things that they've kind of told us is that, you know, it's, the best way to do it is if you've got a clearly reproducible model. You've got like a footprint. This is like, this is like who we are and what we do. It's easy to take that and do it somewhere else as well as doing it where you started at the same time. And so some of what we're talking about doing over the next few months is going to streamline things. So we've got a much more reproducible model. And then we've also got to create more volunteer investment in sustainable ministry. In other words, We've got to help you guys figure out, this is what I was made to do. This is, this is what God made me to do. Like, he gave me a voice so I could sing. He gave me fingers that I can play instruments. He, he gave me a passion for little kids that I just, I don't mind changing diapers. I love being in the nursery. He, he, he like, I like standing outside and waving at people. Because we, we know that when we get people serving in the areas where they really are called to serve, they'll do it longer, they'll do it better, and they'll enjoy it much more. Now, let's get really specific. Some things are about to change, all right? Everybody take a deep breath. Everybody take a really deep breath, all right? Some things are about to change. But some of the things that are about to change, guess what? They changed to get where they are now. <laughs> and before that, they changed to get to where they were that. And some of you guys that have been around here as long or longer, I know like about 12 changes. And like, so you're, you're going like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Been there, done that, we'll survive, let's go. All right? So here's what's going to happen. Starting May 29th, that's Memorial Day weekend, we are, and this is, you got to hold tight because this is going to sound counterintuitive to what I said about some of the other stuff. We are going back to two worship services on Sunday morning. We are going back to two worship services on Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. So, we chose those times very, very intentionally. Because guess what that means? That means everybody, everybody has to pick a new time of worship. Nobody gets their service, all right? That way there's nobody going, well, they got there. No, everybody's got to switch, all right? So here's, here's what we hope will happen. 
All right. One of the things we'd love to see in those two services is those two services get a little bit more like even in, in energy and numbers to each other. Cause right now, uh, this is the big one, all right? And you guys know it. Like, other than the Thunder Weekend, but most weekends, we're like setting up extra chairs in here, all right? So here's what I asked the people in the first hour this morning. To do. We really hope that everybody that currently comes at 8.30 will move to 9.30. And we really hope that everybody that comes at 11.30 will move to 11. And, ready? Here's what we need you guys to do. We need you guys to figure out an even split. <laughs> all right? <laughs> We need you guys to figure out, oh, okay, a little earlier works fine for me. Or, hey, especially, here's the deal. If it doesn't matter to you, if it doesn't matter to you between those, as your pastor, let me encourage you, choose 930. Here's why. That optimal time things we know, history shows, history shows that people who are going to give church a try for the first time, not all, but an overwhelming majority of them are going to choose around 11 o'clock on Sunday versus an earlier time. So if we're trying to create space for that, then that's great. But here's what I'm going to beg you guys to do. I'm going to flat out beg you. You're the only one that get this part of the sermon today. Okay. All right. I'm going to beg you guys, whichever way you go, take the energy that's currently in here with you, with you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) that's a perfect example that never happens at 8 30 or 11 30 okay all right starting memorial day we need it to happen every week all right so that's what's going to happen starting memorial day okay with worship uh and we just think it's going to save uh staff and our volunteers my goodness these people that lead us in worship every week they get here before seven o'clock in the morning and don't leave till one o'clock it's a full work day and most of them are volunteers and so we're going to kind of make that a little bit easier and able to handle that. Uh, and so that's what we're doing starting Memorial Day weekend. Now, here's the deal for ABF. Some of y'all that are in Sunday school classes, ABF, we've called them everything in the world too, all right? If you're in a class that meets on Sunday morning, here's the deal. Bobby's already been meeting with your teachers. You've probably already gotten this information because you've already probably talked about it as a class and decided which hour you want to meet at, all right? But the cool thing is we're actually going to have three hours that you can meet at. Some are coming at 8 o'clock and going to come in early and do their class and then come to the 930 service and be done, all right? So there'll be, there'll be classes available at 8, at 930, and at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And Bobby will talk more about that when he preaches on July 17th. Children's ministry. Children's ministry is going to rock. And one of the things that we're hoping is that in children's ministry, there is a more even split of numbers. Uh, because it's enormous during this hour right now, like enormous, like last week for Easter, like in this hour alone, there are over 150 elementary kids. I mean, enormous. All right. And, and so we're hoping that kind of gets split up evenly so we can do a better job of ministry there. And they'll be pulling in some other things as well. And then student ministry, if you've got middle school, high school or college age, you need to hear this. This is really important to understand middle school, high school and college 
college, their ministry, their worship, their special times are all going to be on Sunday afternoon and evening starting this fall, okay? Middle school will start at 5 o'clock. High school and next phase, which is kind of post-high school, will start at 7 o'clock. Once again, why? That allows us to bring in the entire team that does like the worship and the teaching and everything on one day. They can get here in the afternoon, uh, all our band and everything, they're here one day, one time. They go right from one to the next, uh, and they'll be doing worship. They'll be doing small groups. They'll be doing everything they currently do on Sunday. And I know, the first, well, what about Sunday morning? Our prayer is that middle school, high school, and college will, in mass force, also come into these services and be part of us in here, but that they will also serve. Like, we hope and pray that we'll have more middle schoolers serving and helping out in early childhood areas and high schoolers that are helping out in elementary areas because we know history has shown us that when that has happened before, the, the teenagers that start serving, when they're a teenager here, a lot of them end up in ministry. And if they're not in vocational ministry, they've gotten, they've gone to college, gotten married, whatever, they're living wherever, doing whatever, but they're leading in a church. And so we want to get them involved in ministry uh, on Sunday morning and serving in that area as well. And Bradley will share a lot more about that with you uh, when he's up here uh, on May 22nd. Now, here's the really, really new change. All right. Beginning August the 18th, the Thursday night, kind of after school's gotten started, we will begin having Thursday night worship, which will be our first worship service of every weekend. We have been praying about this for so long because I'll be honest, it has been a burden that God has placed on my heart over a decade ago that I can't let go of. He won't let me let go of it is to do what are we going to do for people who can't or won't worship on Sunday morning for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And if we say we're doing nothing If we say, well, the doors are open, we got two, three, four, ten services on Sunday morning, it doesn't matter. And we say, you can either come on Sunday morning, what we're really saying is, you can either come when we want you to be there, or you can just go to hell. And I'm not willing to say that. So here's the deal. Starting August 18th, we're going for broke. So we're only going to go for two months with only two services. Because starting August 18th, we will have a third service, and it's the first service of the weekend. Here's the three main target groups we're after, all right? There are people who work on Sunday morning that would give anything to be here with us right now, and they just can't be. They, fl- they plain cannot be. We've got, we've got a whole bunch of men and women in law enforcement, uh, the fire department, EMS, first responders, that they have a job to do, and sometimes it requires Sunday morning. And, and, and so to, for us to say we're not going to give anything, to those, we can't do that. All right? We can't do that. And factory workers and all. So people that work on Sunday morning, people that just flat work every other day of the week, insane amount of hours, and they're exhausted on Sunday morning. And even if they did show up, they'd be in a coma anyway. And and so, like, there are people that are putting in 70 hours a week the other six days, and they're just exhausted on Sunday. And then finally, there's a lot of people in our congregation and in our community that aren't currently in any congregation, follow me there, uh, who travel virtually every weekend. 
Either they're out of town for their work, they've got elderly parents in other communities that they have to go take care of on Sunday, their kids play on travel leagues, they've got a house at the lake, they've got whatever it might be, but they're just gone. Thursday night allows us to reach all those people before the weekend even starts and to give them the very same thing that we're doing on Sunday at a time that allows them to come and intersect with Jesus and allow God to change their lives forever, okay? So we're excited about that. Here's where over the summer we're going to be asking a favor. I need need some of you guys to pony up, all right? Because you kind of already got to choose between 9.30 or 11. I'm giving you another choice. We are hoping over the summer that we can get a hundred of our regular folks to commit to Thursday night from August 18th through the end of the year just to allow us to build critical mass. Because we think there's a whole new congregation out there, kind of like planting a church. And so that's what we're asking you all to do. It's kind of like most places when they plant a church, they send a group of people that are already committed followers to go plant the church. That's what we're asking for for Thursday night. A group of committed people that will say, yeah, for this period of time, we'll make Thursday night our time of worship. We'll give it some energy. We'll give it the nucleus. We'll build around it. And then we'll make some choices first of the year. Why not? We're going to stay at Thursday night or go back to Sunday morning. And really what we kind of hope will happen for a lot of people is they'll worship on Thursday night and they'll come back and they'll serve for one hour on Sunday morning or vice versa, all right? And that they'll have that opportunity to do that in many different ways. So we are so excited. One of the cool things we're going to do with this is we're going to have food trucks on Thursday night occasionally, yay, uh, so that uh, if you're coming straight from work, you can come and we're going to have some food here. We won't do that every week, or the weeks, but we'll announce when we're going to do it. It won't be a shock. It won't be a surprise. But the weeks that we don't have it, you can stop at McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever and come out and eat in the, out in the common grounds with your family before going in because that's already going on a lot of times anyway, all right? There's a lot more, but I got to move. I got to move. I know when I see the band moving, that's my signal. I got to move, all right? All right? Uh, one of the things that you need to know has already happened, that's already happened, start this Thursday night, uh, the Spanish speaking service moved to Thursday night this past week. They started at seven o'clock as well and, and had a baptism, uh, at the end of their service. So, so yeah, so that's already going on. Here's a biggie. Here's a biggie. Swallow hard. Stay with you. I'm throwing a bunch of stuff. All right. Children's ministry. This probably has been the thing that we had to had to navigate the most over the last five, six, seven years that we've been trying to figure this out. Children's ministry is moving midweek from Wednesday to Thursday. All right? Once upon a time, once upon a time we stayed on Wednesday because the schools and everything in the community, the park and everybody else respected Wednesday and nobody had anything. Those days are gone. <laughs> Those days are gone. And Thursday fits what we think God is leading us to much more than Wednesday, okay? Now, a lot of what's done in our children's ministry will be virtually the same, whether it's on Thursday or on Sunday. And say, well, I, well my, I don't want my kid come the same thing two times. Listen, it's taught by different people, so you're going to get a different perspective even if you get the same lesson. You know, when I was a kid growing up, remember some of you that, that are old school like me, when I was a kid growing up, you know how many Bible lessons I got in church a week? I got Sunday school, and then I got children's church, and then I came back for youth group Sunday night at 6, and then I had Sunday night service, and then I came for Wednesday night youth group, 
And I got five different lessons in the same week when I was six years old. That's how Moses ended up on the ark, folks. You'll figure that out this afternoon. So if if they didn't laugh, then nudge them, say it was Noah, not Moses. But that's what happens. All right. See, we get so much. And we just think it'd be so much cooler if, if Noah and the ark is the lesson of the week. If our little kids and our elementary kids get the same lesson every time they're in the doors for a week. Because we're convinced at the end of the year, they're going to remember more of 50 lessons than they will of 250 lessons if they're here all the time. And they'll be able to laser focus and know what's going on. So yes, we're moving from Wednesday night to Thursday night. Uh, and we'll talk more about that next week when, when Matt and Tiff are up here. Student ministry uh, is all on Sunday night, and but we're hoping that once again some of our students will serve on Thursday night. But there is a midweek Bible study for middle school, high school, and college that is not like play around, just come to church time. It's like you're kind of like, you got to want to be there because it's like, we're going to open the Bible and we're going verse by verse and we're going to study. And that's still going to happen on Wednesday night. Life groups, life groups are going to happen on both Thursday night, children's programming going on, worship going on, and Wednesday night, no children's programming, but we're going to pay for childcare. We're going to hire some people to do Wednesday night childcare for the groups that meet. There will be some teaching, some Bibles, but it's mainly child care, but it's not chaos, all right? So that's going to go on. This summer, we're going to launch this as a soft launch this summer, and so we're going to have two special Thursday nights of worship, one on June 23rd and one on July 21st, and both of those nights will have some special things with food and different things going on those nights as well. We got Rock the Creek, our picnic at the park on Sunday, August the 7th, and then August 18th, it's go time. All right. So we're excited about all these things and the ways that we're going to be able to continue to reach people. Uh, there'll be more details. Be sure, be sure, and a lot of guys already do it, but be sure and open your uh, e-news this week, your electronic newsletter. If you don't get it, see me, get me your email. We'll get it because we're going to have more details spelled out uh, in that. But I want to, I want to leave you with this. Remember at the beginning we were talking about Numbers 13 when they got to the edge of the Jordan River and, and 10 outvoted two and they didn't go and they had to wonder for 40 years. In Joshua 3, the 40 years is over. And they're back at the edge of the Jordan River again. And Joshua told the people this in verse 5 of Joshua chapter 3. He's now the leader. Moses is dead and gone. Joshua's now the leader. Verse 5, he said, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. You know what he's saying? Get ready. Get ready. God's about to do something. God's about to do something huge. And then verse 7, the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, Today I will make you begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites, and they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps out into the water and stop right there then in verse 13 it says that the priests will carry the ark of the covenant of the lord of all the earth as soon as their feet touch the water the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall 
see what's important there is when when Moses was leading them out of captivity and they got to the edge of the Red Sea and he raised his rod God parted the waters he turned seas into highways right in front of them it was it was dry seabed the, the road was there. The, it, was, it was obvious. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. He did it before anybody stepped in the water. But after doing that, and after years of the people wavering and still not really trusting God and believing, there had to be that element, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And so he told them, he said, tell them to take up the most prized possession you have. That is the Ark of the Covenant. It represented the very presence of God with them. Tell the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant, put it on their shoulders, and start walking. Start walking. Before the water is divided, tell, tell the priest, the leaders, the guys with the start walking and see what happens. And the reason he told them to pause was because when they got out in the water all the way, that's when the water was going to part and the path was going to be obvious to the other side guys what would happen what would happen if we did that as we trust him enough to step into the water as a church try new things for the kingdom we've got to trust him enough in our own lives to step in the water individually like five people have done this weekend to step in the waters of baptism, I'm going to trust you. I don't even understand all this, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to surrender. And I'm willing to wait and watch and see what you're going to do. Prophet Isaiah speaking for God said, see, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's time. Shelby Christian Church, it's time. Today, it's time to step out in the water. See what God's going to do. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, he's going to use those steps of faith to turn our community upside down with hope and purpose and reason and a future. But more importantly, maybe he's going to do that in your own life. So I want to ask you right now, would you stand with me? I want to ask you to do two things this morning, all right? As we sing the song together, as we glorify him, as we sing this together, if you need to make a step of faith, a decision of faith, and do something and give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask that you'll come down. I'll meet you down front. Dennis is in here. We can meet you down front. Uh, you can go straight back to the decision room. Jason's back there. Elizabeth is over here. So we've got a lady that can talk to ladies. If you need to take that step, then take that step. But if you've already taken that step, if you already made that decision, will you pray? While we sing, in your mind, will you pray that Christ may be glorified and that this will be a brand new season of people coming to Jesus.
Whichever service you choose, take that energy with you, okay? If this is your first time here today, man, we are so glad uh, to have you with us. We've got a special gift for you out in the lobby of the I'm New Wall at the tents that are outside of the building. Please stop there. Uh, we'd love to share that with you. If you've been here a while and have been thinking about making this your church home, I've uh, been thinking about accepting Christ, you get in a life group, Pathways. Pathways is this Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. There are some sign-up sheets back at the table, right back there in that corner. And then this Saturday is our marriage seminar. There's sign-up sheets for that back on that table and also around in the next step room as well. Thanks for being here, guys. Let's get out of here and go love God and love people. Let's go change the world. See you guys.